0: hello this is pixelated playgrounds a gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games i'm brian Skersha.
1: i'm josh galecki
0: and today we're talking about valheim uh, released by iron gate studios into early access in february of 2021 for pc uh, this is probably the most hot on the heels of a release we've ever done a game <laughs> uh, with good reason
1: I'd agree with that. Um I heard a little bit of buzz about this game. Heard it was one of those survival em up games. Uh, I've never tried out any in the genre, so I thought this would be a good time to jump in. Very glad I did. I suggested it to Brian and he hopped along for the ride.
0: Yeah, it's hard to turn down a game that suddenly has like tens of thousands of, you know, ninety-five plus percent positive reviews on Steam and like, you know, not bad an eye at that.
1: And from such a small developer too iron gate studios is not a triple a or even a triple i kind of studio
0: (laughs) no brand new um iron gate is formed by two industry veterans of uh, thq nordic and uh basically this is their first product i think it's a team of five at this point and you know three weeks after the release and three million copies later
1: i guess they're doing pretty good out of the gate Oh. Okay.
0: <laughs> Out of the gate, yes, the Iron Gate. Um, yeah, so, it, I, you know, this is definitely uh, going to be a very much one place in time uh, with this game, given its early access has a lot of heat. So consider this your time capsule for what uh, Valheim is like, uh, three weeks from launch. Um, and you know, from two tourists of the genre who haven't, you know, I, I'm aware of like the rusts and things of that nature of the world, but I never like Josh spent much time with it. So you'll get a fresh take with fresh eyes for a fresh game.
1: And I would say too, that even though this game is in early access, I took a look at their development roadmap, and there's things like filling in additional biomes, coming up with additional content. But I definitely think the contours of the game are in place. Uh, It might be interesting to come back to this a year from now and see where the game has progressed to, but I am certain that the bones of the game will not significantly change.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. It seems like they have a really strong sort of vision for what this is, and the big difference from some of the survival games that i have you know delved into in the past is that they kind of took the elements of those games the big sort of multiplayer server-based crafting survival mechanic-y games and put an actual game around it right there's like a a progression (laughs) system there's bosses there's a combat system that isn't ass i mean it's sort of ass it's Better than ass, but it's uh, (laughs) it's interesting. You know, I I think there's there's a lot of these games out there in in the industry, but this is the first one that um, sort of compelled me to stick with it for longer than a few hours.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, I've probably put about fifteen to twenty hours in on this game already. I think are you about the same?
0: Yeah, I'm about the same at this point, and I'll probably end up playing more uh, some on our multiplayer server that we have with friends, and you know, I'm interested in just sort of having a solo world of my own as well just to sort of um, you know build and, and fart around in
1: hmm. you know i'm doing the same thing and i'm excited to talk about the differences between what the single player and multiplayer experiences are like
0: yeah it's kind of fun just to have your own sort of world uh to, to play around in as well so yeah we'll definitely hit on that why don't we set the stage a little bit for what this game actually is though um So Valheim uh, basically takes place in sort of a Viking-inspired world where you enter a fresh procedurally generated world and you uh, basically have the shirt on your back and you get to craft tools, build a shelter, survive versus enemies that are roaming around, and explore different uh, biomes in a very stylized 3D animated world.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's a very pretty world, too. One of the interesting things about this game is the graphics are hardly, you know, next-gen material. But the way they use their post-processing effects makes the game very pretty. Uh, There's a lot of interesting blur. There's a lot of interesting, like, um, even a simple wind effect that goes through the grass and blows it in a realistic way, or, or at least a stylized way.
0: Yeah, it, it does seem to me like they're making a huge amount of use of some out-of-the-box um, post-processing effects, like incredibly cool lighting effects, uh, a really interesting depth of field uh, in the sort of visuals of the game, like f- uh, far away terrain and things like that sort of get a, a depth of field blur, as you said, motion blur. Um, it looks really good in motion, right? The screenshots, I think you might be a little confused looking at it, like, is this a really old game? Uh, what's going on here? It can look good still, but in motion, it looks pretty stunning, especially when the lighting and the you know sun's rising or setting or something like that.
1: Oh, yeah. They've got some good color palette choices, good shaders going on uh, with the different lighting going on there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really something, and I think it plays really nicely with all of the systems that they have in the game, too. Uh, later on, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the physics that they have going on and, and various systems that are at play in the world, and those are uh, very well conveyed by uh, these effects that we're talking about in the graphics. Although they are sort of low-poly or at least lo-fi compared to what you might consider top of the line these days, they dress it up so nicely that it's almost like the the sort of cell shading approach that Wind Waker took, right? It's not going for uh, cutting or bleeding edge. It's going for stylish and Mm cool-looking.
1: Yeah, uh, fidelity is not what they're shooting for. There's a way to make good games look good without that.
0: Yep, absolutely agreed. Um, But as you enter this game for the first time, I think the most uh, apparent thing right off the bat is the game does not really push you in a particular direction there's no sort of driving story Um, there's not even really like a a hard and fast tutorial Uh, you get basically input from a crow every so often (laughs) but it's very non-intrusive and Mm -hmm. uh, I really enjoyed that Uh, this this sort of let the let me discover things at my own pace
1: when you first arrive in this afterlife a giant bird woman, it drops you off in the middle of a circle of stones, and you learn about these bosses that you have to beat, and that's the whole premise of the game, is you're defeating these monsters for Odin, and your little raven friend, crow friend, Huggin, he shows up, and the entire tutorial is optional, like if you're playing a second character on someone else's server or something like that, you can just ignore him and not have <laughs> to go through the entire tutorial sort of thing. But that first time that he shows up for any given process, he tells you about the process and um, tells you what to do, what to expect. Like at the very, very beginning, when he's like, You need to make some weapons because you're just bare handed <laughs> right now, or These are the boss stones that tell you where to find the bosses. Things like that. The tutorial was very well done in this court in this game, I think, by being very unintrusive.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think it's worth mentioning that for a survival and crafting-based game, this is the first time in my life of playing a game like this... Uh, that I didn't just camp out on the wiki for my entire playtime, uh, trying to figure out recipes and how to navigate the the power curve, because this game seemed like it made it pretty naturalistic. I really liked how as soon as you got a material, the recipes just popped into your inventory. There was no fancy grid or rubbing things together like an adventure game to make sure they combined <laughs> in the right way.
1: Rub two sticks, get fire.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's you don't. There's no BS around it, right? It just. Um, once you have the stuff to make a thing, it tells you, oh, you can make this thing now. So, you know, finding a new material or a new item or a new enemy that drops a new resource um, is really exciting because all of a sudden you get this big list of new items that appear in your recipe book for crafting.
1: And those are kind of the objectives for you, right? Those are the things, like you get um, you chop down fine wood and you get all, all of the recipes that involve fine wood and you're like... Damn, I can get a better bow now. I'm gonna work towards that.
0: Yeah, it's it's really great. It it Im- incentivizes you to explore and find new materials, and it incentivizes you um, to um, make sure that you're uh, bringing that stuff safely back to your. Uh, your base, which is always fun because, you know, you're not going to get too far if you stick to the the meadows around that uh, stone circle right where you get dropped off on Mm -hmm. Oh No No. You have to go exploring, my friend.
1: So one thing I want to talk about with the discovery process too is one of the games we played a few years ago, Subnautica, that kind of reminds me of that. This is uh, one of two games I'm going to be comparing Valheim a lot to for specific reasons. Um, But Subnautica, you start off in an alien planet and you're going around exploring different environments, extending your capabilities, and uh, reaching farther, developing the story through that. This game was very much a discovery process for me because I did not know the rules of the genre at all. And I'm not sure how this game compares to Rust or so, but I really did enjoy, like um, I'd be walking around and going through a river and then I find, oh, swimming's a skill. Well, I guess there's gonna be more water content than I was expecting. Or, oh, you chop down a tree. Woodcutting's a skill. And as you go on, you discover more skills, more crafting recipes, more kind of things. And it happens in a very naturalistic manner. That you expand the range of your abilities. the Your kind of reach over the map, the different biomes you can go to. I thought that was a very well-done thing with this game.
0: Yeah, like you said, minimal signposting, but definitely... Um, gives you a lot of, of feedback to show you where you might be able to poke a little further into the the edges of the the game and progress mechanically. Uh, it's interesting you brought up those skills. I think that's something that um, I have you know I've seen in games like this before. But the interesting thing is they they progress through use in this game, so it allows you a lot of flexibility for how you want to get better. Right, if you decide you want to be mostly focused on combat with long range weapons rather than your axe, you know, or your sword or whatever, then you can focus in that direction and decide to use the bow more and you get better at it as a result. Uh, It reminds me of a certain Elder Scrolls series.
1: Hmm. Uh, It's funny you mentioned Elder Scrolls. I was actually thinking Ultima Online from back in the 90s. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah, it's, um, it's not a common method these days of skill building and leveling is just having things grow naturally through what you use and you'll kind of fall into your own class based on what you favor
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's it's nice and i guess there is no real class it lets you get good at whatever you want player choice is there and it doesn't get you off from anything which is um, always nice for you know a completionist or you know obsessive person <laughs>
1: I agree, I agree. And especially we'll talk later on, but um the multiplayer factor is a big thing here. When you're you can join up to 9 other vikings on a server so there can be 10 of you taking on a boss or going on a raid somewhere and having people specialize in different combat skills can be useful.
0: Yeah, absolutely, especially as you start to progress through the the various different types of Uh, Biomes, you know, they start off pretty innocent, but as soon as you, you know, head into the dark woods or the swamp or the plains, things start to get a little hairier. (laughs) And that is even before you find uh, your first boss.
1: This game has several different biomes. I think it has four or five of the eventual eight implemented already. So they, uh, but each of these biomes has a different boss for the players to beat
0: down. Um, so five and five plus the ocean, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, and I hear the ocean is one of the biomes they're planning to increase the content of the, um, but we'll, we'll talk about the sailing a little bit later on. Um, But the the developers of the game, Iron Gate Studios, they talked about how they were inspired more by Breath of the Wild and Skyrim rather than any of the survival games currently on the market right there. And one of the ideas they took from Zelda games in particular was the idea of gating by bosses. Like, you go through a dungeon, you get a new item, it lets you do new things. Likewise, with this game, you beat a boss, and that allows you to go to a new biome effectively, then.
0: The bosses in this game remind me a little bit of Terraria, you know? It's one of those games where you are continually looting, crafting, building your home base, and then when you're ready, you confront a boss, and he... Wreck shit around your base, and you know (laughs) ruins everything. But then you know you you conquer that, and then you're ready for the next challenge, and you know that can allow you to enter a new place or traverse further into the world that's uh, generated around you. And it feels good, you know, it's a nice loop. And uh, to hear more about that loop, listen to the Terraria episode, I guess. But it is a, uh, it's a, it's a cool one, and I'm glad it's making an an appearance in this game. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, especially the first boss, I think make sure that you're at a adequate level equipment-wise in order to go into the dark forest. Um, and from that first boss, uh, slight spoiler here, but you get materials that you need to build a pickaxe to mine the metal out of the ground and, you know, stop using these stupid stone weapons because, man, who needs that?
0: That's right. You are no longer a caveman. You can be a real Viking now, <laughs> uh, or at least a very primitive one. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. And it also gives you a power. Um, the first one lets you run further and faster, but they progress from there. And it's, um, it's another thing that I haven't seen, um, as much in a game like this before is sort of, you know, do you beat the boss, you get the power, um, then you, you know, continue on through that power curve. Usually it's a bit more focused on the crafting rather than gating, uh, as you said, Josh, with the bosses.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bosses, I've been through two boss fights so far, uh, just the first two, and they were enjoyable experiences. I kind of like that, like I could see those being very difficult on a single player kind of game, but it's kind of almost a reason to get together with your friends to um, take down a boss and then get that ability or item that lets you progress to the next biome.
0: Absolutely. And while we're on the topic of the bosses, maybe we can touch a little bit on the combat, um, how it actually plays out. Cause I think this is a, a bit of a difference from survival games that I've played in the past, which tend to be a little more first person focused. Um, this is third person over the shoulder. Um, you're controlling sort of a, I, I guess it's almost like a, a, you know, I guess third person action is probably what it's mostly taken from your, your God of Wars, your dark souls is, um, things of that nature. And, you do have a stamina meter, so you're working to manage that as you're attacking. You're able to dodge uh, attacks from your enemies in space. So it's um, very much more tactical than, I guess, something that's more just simply numbers based or RPG like.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the combat, I thought the combat was enjoyable in this game. Um, you get enough choice in both your terms of weapons, uh, the different things you can do. You can sneak around. And even some of the simulation systems they had on top of this, like uh, early in the game, you're doing a lot of deer hunting, so you can get materials, you need to craft the different things. Um, And one of the things I found out about later was that the wind direction is actually huge for hunting. If you're downwind of a deer, you can sneak a lot closer. If you're upwind, they're going to smell you coming a mile off
0: right exactly you have to be aware of all kinds of different systems in this game from the wind to the weather to uh you know fluid dynamics and uh the (laughs) mechanics of smoke in your uh your base as i found out when i suffocated myself or asphyxiated myself when i first built my uh my base
1: i was there for that it was (laughs) hilarious i'm just yeah we're both building like our first houses and brian's like well. I just died of smoke inhalation. And I'm like, that's hilarious that that's a thing. Also, that it happened to you and not me. I'm glad I can learn from your mistakes.
0: Yep. Um, so that's fun. And I think it works out really well. I mean, I wasn't the one who felled a tree on myself. So I'm going to chalk that one up to a slight win. But, you know, we make our own mistakes and we learn from them. That's
1: right. I think this... That was another mistake I learned from you as well, was uh, watch out when the trees start falling.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's pretty fun how much of the physics actually do get implemented in um, meaningful ways in this game, you know, with uh, trees falling and able to uh, take a great deal of damage out of yourself, your structures, or enemies, if you're lucky. The the lumberjacking in this game is uh, some of the best I've ever, <laughs> I've ever had the pleasure of experiencing in a video game.
1: I think at the beginning of game two, when you're first getting into it, those unexpected deaths, uh, are super, you know, not just hilarious, but also kind of intrigue you as to what systems the game might have. Like I talked about before how I got in this game and I didn't really know what to expect in terms of what I should be doing or how the game would develop. Like if I play Metroidvania, I come across a gap I can't cross. And I'm like, oh, I need, a double jump here. I'm going to make a note and just come back to it. When I got into this game, I didn't know what would be happening. And when you're getting into a game like that, and like you you fall a tree on yourself and it kills you, then that's not just a funny occurrence. It's also kind of Showing you these systems you weren't expecting.
0: It's a learning experience.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of um, hinting at a depth to the game.
0: Yeah, it's, it's showing you where the game is placing its priorities and allowing you to, you know, refocus what you are thinking about doing and getting out of this game accordingly. Yeah. Um, you know, given that this game was such a big surprise and came out of nowhere for so many people, there's like basically no material about this game online at the time where we're, we're <laughs> playing it, or at least when we started playing it, there wasn't. So we weren't able to sort of know what to expect going into it. And as Josh said, it was really fun sort of going in completely blind. Um, this is like maybe the first experience I've had since high school or grade school where um you know, the internet hasn't already ravaged a game before I got my hands on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very true. You don't get the spoilers just from that kind of cultural knowledge. Yeah, internet osmosis. You mentioned Dark Souls before, and I think there are some s- some similarities in the way there's these hidden systems and hidden knowledge about it. However, the difference for me between playing the two games was with Dark Souls, I was on the wiki all the time being like, what should I know? What should I do? In this game, I was learning about things from other players I was playing with. Like, um, For instance, like uh, you find those metal deposits on the ground. If you dig at the ground, you'll find more of that metal vein underground. And just hearing the little tidbits about that, uh, because this game, I think, was meant to be played multiplayer and does a very good job of encouraging that, too.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're you're right, and I'm actually learning things about this game just listening to you talk about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's definitely true. Um, I really do did enjoy the the multiplayer aspect of this game, and um, you know, this is a, a game that caused me to get back in touch with a, a very old friend of Josh and, and mine. So that was nice too.
1: Mm, old high school friends. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's always good to have a uh, you know a game that'll bring you you back together with someone you haven't talked to in a while. Shout outs to Maddie.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, and this game it works well as a kind of like hangout space as well uh you know we've been talking a lot about the combat and a little bit about the exploration but there's also a whole building aspect of the game um you can get huge viking longhouses and mead halls and taverns and all sorts of things going Um, and based on the amount of material you need to progress it really is easier to get through that when you're playing with another person or two
0: yeah, it definitely. And especially if you're talking about building and gathering the required materials, it's uh, definitely a load that is borne a lot easier by the um, by the group rather than by an individual. Um, speaking of building, maybe we can talk about like what, what you're initially doing building-wise in this game, because I thought it was super endearing to sort of start with your thatched huts uh, made with straw and wood and eventually work your way up to gigantic log mead halls and stone castles
1: (laughs) yeah the building system in this game is um pretty simple but it has a lot of complexity to it as well and things you don't realize at first um you can build walls and floors and structural support kind of things as well um But then, as you're getting through the game, you realize, oh, this structure is unstable, and if it's unstable enough, it actually collapses. Hopefully not while you're on top of it and plummeting to your death below that. Might have happened to me building a lighthouse or two. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's funny, but yeah, it's it's nice, and there's also a whole system about like how comfortable it is, and you know how sheltered it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're you know able to stay in a, a house that has a high comfort level, it makes your character rested, which increases their stamina and health regeneration. So um, there's all kinds of interesting systemic things that go along with the building aspect as well. Uh, for instance, enemies and weather also affect your buildings. Um, so, you know, you need to have structures that hold up to raids and, uh, of course, the storms, because it rains a lot in this game. Uh, pretty hard, too.
1: The raids <laughs> and the rains. Yep. Your um, structural elements will degrade if they're not properly underneath a roof. Uh, another thing you learn when, you know, you, you spend an evening building a huge mansion and the next day it's <clears> almost <throat> a ruin because all the rains came by and you didn't put the roof in in time. Or you put the roof in incorrectly. Uh, I used to think, like, uh, one of the first houses I built had a flat roof, just wooden floors and platforms, but that actually, uh, I learned that those can break down and break through.
0: Yep, and uh, I I always, you know, when I first saw the game, I wondered what this one really small, steepled, you know, one-square-wide... tile you could build was for, and now, a uh, smart person that I am now, it's for chimneys, right? You can not just leave a hole in your roof for the smoke to go out of. You should build a chimney for that thing. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so there's there's all kinds of interesting little things you can learn for that, or, you know, for building, for the way you set up your base, for the things you can do within your base. It's just, uh, it's a nice sort of act of discovery, but um, I suppose when you're done with your base, the most exciting thing is is setting out on a journey, uh, into the the wider world, whether that be on a boat or on foot. Um, that is, I think, where this game really shines for me, and where I, I think I got the most enjoyment.
1: Oh, the exploration of this was top notch. Like, uh, you just see all those blank spaces on the map, and you, you, you get like a, um, I don't know, you you get proud of having done some exploration and uncovering more of the map. Uh, I always made a habit of giving silly little names to all of the geological features that i'd pass by so i'd like name a mountain name a river name a sea uh just to kind of like orient myself in the head and it it was a fun thing to do
0: yeah i agree and it 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 was one of those things where you know you (laughs) this game also unfortunately uh implemented the corpse run once again for me Hmm. so you know getting uh you know a half an hour out of your base and suddenly dying to a skeleton um was a a situation that sometimes could take a few hours to resolve as you you know try and fumble your way back there and retrieve all of your valuables Hmm. uh but you know i was having fun the whole time um you know it may be two hours that i spent basically just getting back to where i was at the beginning but hopefully slightly richer and definitely with a good story under my belt
1: i don't know i've I haven't come across a very difficult corpse run, but um maybe I've I think I've explored less of a distance from home base than you have. Uh, but that almost strikes me as like a negative against the game. You spoke positively of it though.
0: <laughs> well, it's one of those things that when you describe it, it sounds like a negative, but you usually end up you know getting enthralled with the process of of doing it, the exploration, the corpse retrieval. You know it the stakes are high and it, it keeps you interested um i wouldn't say it's like the most elegant mechanic in the game but it's one that i have a lot of experience with from diablo from dark souls you name it it's one of those things that despite the fact that it's constantly raising my blood pressure it's still a familiar <laughs> feeling that i have come to crave i guess <laughs> like skydiving i don't know <laughs>
1: So I talked a little bit before about it being a good hangout space um, in the multiplayer scene, and I think that works well because some people are going to be more explorers, some people are going to be more combat focused, some people are going to want to build up a giant town, and working together you kind of make things more effective that way. People can specialize in different tasks and do what they want to do, and you know it's not like everyone wants to build all the time, um, but people kind of fall into different things they want to do at the time and you can still just kind of hang out and chat with each other at the time
0: yeah everyone sort of tends to fall into a role when they play games like this and you're playing on a server together over you know uh, the course of uh, a little while um some people will be the the grand architect others will be the you know the person keeping the the food stock stocked up others will be the ones organizing a raid or ensuring that uh you're continuing to progress on that power curve, or just scouting the surrounding area, looking for more places to find resources. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all kinds of different things you can do, and you're right, it definitely goes a lot faster when you have several people doing it than if you just have one.
1: Yeah, I'd say the single player is almost more of a meditative experience than the multiplayer is, which I enjoyed for that, but I definitely the game does a very good job uh, from a design perspective of encouraging multiplayer play. Like one of the things I think it does well is um progression is often equipment based. You have your skills but they're less important than the stuff that you're wearing in terms of armor or weapons and like um if I started a new character and joined up with a higher level server there's no strength requirement to wear the iron armor. If I join my buddies and they have the iron foundry going already, I can just make myself a fresh suit of armor and I won't be as good as they are in combat, but I'll be near enough the same level that I can join along with them on the boss raid.
0: Yeah. It's, it's also worth mentioning that along with armor, your health is dictated by the food that you eat in this game along with your stamina. Mm -hmm. So, um, the game has a pretty cool system for food where you can find different berries and, um, You know meat that you can cook and things of that nature and your character can only eat certain you know a certain amount of each different type of food so it behooves you to create the most high quality form of that given type of food ingest that and when your character is full they increase their health accordingly based on what they've eaten right yeah, you can you can go in and eat your friend's real good food and have a nice high health bar uh, for the adventure you're having together and then go back to your own server where all you got is raspberries and, you know, be a noob again.
1: No, no, that's a good point. Like, the food in this game is the way you get better HP. There is no leveling of your Viking to get more HP. It's just based on the food you have, which, again, is based on, like, the crafting you can do. Um, if you can create the tools to plant carrot seeds and so on and so forth. So that's another way that, um, you know, it's it's easy to jump in with some higher level, quote unquote, players and not be in the way, feel like you're making a contribution.
0: Yep, agreed. It's uh, it's really nice. It allows you to, you know, continue to journey together regardless of your experience and your progression throughout the, the world. Everyone has a role. That's always a good thing.
1: Hmm. So we're talking about the food a little bit. Uh, I think this is one of the departures, if you will, from the standard survival game, or at least the concepts of the survival game I'm familiar with. There's no food clock or water clock or anything like that where you have to eat something, otherwise you die. Um, you can eat something, it'll give you more health and more stamina and make things easier, but it's not like a punishing system if you aren't at the time able to eat a raspberry or whatever, you're still able to keep on going.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's not a a system that'll, like, you won't ever die from starvation, but you will be severely hampered in terms of your ability to move around the world and especially engage in combat.
1: I will say that another thing you won't die of, based on my stereotypes of the genre, is some random person coming into your server and whacking you to death because you have pants and they want your pants.
0: <laughs> yes, very true. Uh, PvP is opt-in uh, by default and only, as far as I can tell. Uh, I kind of like this, I, you know, opting into PvP rather than having it be constantly on. This, I think the original case was in Rust. Um, you know you got a lot of interesting stories out of always on pvp but it was also like a huge barrier to entry for for the game
1: Mm -hmm. yeah when you're first learning to play then having skilled players come and gank you was not an entertaining experience
0: no very very much it's not
1: i think these two things between not having a hunger clock and not having the pvp uh those were kind of Two of the things I think of when I think of survival games, probably best exemplified, like you said, by Rust. Um, but it kind of changes the focus and priorities of the game. And having played it myself, I would not call this as I originally heard it was a survival game.
0: Hmm. What would you call it?
1: Crafting an exploration game? I mean, there's limits to classifying anything by genre because you're kind of just Slotting yourself into a hole right there. Um, yeah. Some of the most intelligent stuff I've heard about people talking about the value of genres, how a genre is a conversation between different people, between different creators and fans and consumers and all that, uh, that specifies certain, I guess in games it would be mechanics or different expectations. Um, and I think Valheim skirts around the outskirts of. Ja of the survival genre. It has some of the same motions you go through, but not the same reasons why you go through them. And that change in focus, I think, was definitely a plus for this game. I found it a lot easier to get into.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I've I've always sort of been anti-genre pedantry. You know, genres are useful to the point at which people will use them and relate to them, in my opinion. But um, I, I agree with you in, in the fact that this is a survival game in mechanics only but not in outcomes or how they dictate play Hmm. Um, so that's i guess just a summation of what you just said but i very much agree with it
1: So I mentioned before that there were kind of two games I want to compare this to. The first was Subnautica, in terms of discovery process and how you progress through the game. Um, And the multiplayer focus of Valheim gives it a different feel for sure, but definitely a fun kind of thing. The other game I think it's interesting to compare this to is our old favorite Skyrim. Another Viking-based open-world sort of game, Uh, but whereas Skyrim definitely had a lot of quest story narrative, this game leaves you to fill in the blanks yourself. You're not in a lived world so much, except for the people you bring with you in your multiplayer party.
0: Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd almost think of the, this, uh, you know, playing this game single player to be a little bit more like Shadow of the Colossus with crafting. Because <laughs> um, you're, you're very much in an unguided experience where they're just sort of setting out this laundry list of, um, you know, bosses to clear out.
1: But not telling you how to get there. Shadow of the Colossus is a good, good analogy there.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, there's a ton of differences, but I think in, in that regard, at least, it's it's similar. And in this sort of loneliness aspect, too. Playing this game, single player, is, like, profoundly lonely. It's a gigantic world, and you're all alone in it, just sort of eking out this meager existence, at least until you get your feet under you. Um, so that uh, is also another way in which, you know, Shadows of the Colossus rings back to, to me. But... The the multiplayer, like you said, it's much more of a hangout. It's much more of a, a clubhouse type thing, where you can check in and see how things are going, and then you know organize your society for you know bringing the world uh, to heal around you, which is exciting, uh, much more uplifting than the eking out a meager existence. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know my Skyrim comparison continues here, and that. Um, although, if you're playing with you know nine other people in a server, it's both—it has less content in terms of quests and storylines and NPCs, but infinitely more content, and that you're playing with actual people, who are you know great source of jokes, humor, stories, <laughs> hanging out, all the good stuff that that implies. Um, the
0: real Valheim is the friends you make along the way. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: thought that the discovery process was very important in this so I found that going back and forth between the multiplayer and my own single player server was uh, was a good kind of like back and forth like I'd be on my own and I'd kind of get my own feel for what hunting down a troll is like or what going through uh, getting some minerals is like and then I'd jump on with my brothers or with some friends and we'd do some You know, things that would take me another 10 hours to do in the single-player version. And we do them well, and that was fun. But going back and forth between the two was a nice experience.
0: Yeah, it is. Sometimes, uh, just as in life, you feel the need to be around other people. Uh, It's been especially difficult in this past year. But sometimes you're feeling social. Other times you feel like you just need to chill out on your own. And uh, this game allows for both, which is great. Shall we uh, sum up our thoughts in some three-word reviews?
1: Alright, my three word review for this game is maps, crafts, rafts. Because you are doing, uh, you are exploring around, you're creating your own cartography for the land around you. And not only are you like learning where the mountains are and where the rivers and where the lakes are, you're learning what that means in terms of biomes, where to find different resources. You're really doing a conceptual cartography over the game space. Uh, The crafting system is obvious, you're building new armor for yourself, you're building a town with your mates. Uh, And then the rafts, it wouldn't be a good Viking game if there weren't any boats that you could go sailing in. And this game does have some good boats and has an interesting weather system and wave system that ocean navigation is no small thing. Two thumbs up from me, and again that is maps, crafts, and rafts.
0: My three-word review is First Pleasant Surprise. 2020 was full of surprises, mostly shitty ones. (laughs) 2021 is looking like it might be similar, but nothing in 2021 has surprised me quite so much or as pleasantly as Valheim. Given how little material there was in this game when I first played it, I learned a ton about its mysterious world just by walking out the front door of my cabin uh, after I stopped inhaling smoke. (laughs) <laughs> Each new biome or material was a delight as I slowly unraveled the layers of the progression system. But aside from the game itself, it's really nice to see a team of five people surprise the world and deliver a game that suddenly gets an adoring audience of millions. So that's why this game is my first pleasant surprise of 2021. Hmm. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skirsha.
1: I'm Josh Galecki.
0: Take care and keep on sailing. three-word review reminded me, we didn't even really talk at length about the sailing in this game, which is like so adventurous. It, it really like calls back to me the feeling of sailing on the great sea in Wind Waker. You know?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I haven't done a whole lot of navigation, mostly just on rafts for me, which are the lowest grade boat that you can build, as you might imagine, but you can get to small ships, you can get to long ships later on. And they really get you around a lot quicker than um, just hoofing it would.
0: Yeah, it's it's really fun. It it sort of adds a whole new element to the way you're able to you know trek your way across the world. I don't know the sailing on the the big boats in a game like one of the Assassin's Creed games never really felt like quite as organic as this game or something like Wind Waker did. Are you talking
1: about uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag?
0: Yeah, yeah, Black Flag, and actually all of the subsequent games that had sailing aspects, like the Origins had sailing, Odyssey had sailing, so there's, um, you know, sailing has sort of made its way as a core mechanic in Assassin's Creed somehow over the years. <laughs> um,
1: assassins, boats, of course. On boats, <laughs>
0: right, you know, but those famous boating assassins. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't know, at any rate. It's interesting to me that um, there's two sort of different styles of sailing in in gaming now. There's the one where you actually have to care about which way the wind is blowing to a large degree and, you know, manage navigation in a a meaningful sort of way. And then there's, uh, you can just sort of tell your your people to row in a direction and, you know, solve the problem. It's basically just a car at that point, right? (laughs)
1: Yeah, it really is. I always like a good sailing mechanic with the wind that you got to pay attention to. Makes it feel a little more real than just driving a water car, like you said.
0: Yes, a diegetic uh, feeling of sailing. This game, I think, was such a surprise to its developers that I, uh, I couldn't find out like who the the main people for this game were for a little bit. So I ended up going on LinkedIn and looking up <laughs> Iron Cake <Gate> Studios <laughs> and finding out who their co-founders and CEO were. Uh, in that way, oh, so uh, I know their probably their their press kit's definitely going to be well in place by the time this episode comes out. But just know that during my research, uh, information was few and far between. <laughs>
1: yeah i i tried to do the same thing i almost went on their discord channel and been like interviews please point (laughs) me to interviews who are
0: you (laughs) yeah that's funny um but that's nice you know like i said a really small team that came out of nowhere and and made this gigantic hit these are always fun stories to me